This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. They may have crop insurance. Crop insurance doesn't cover everything. Effects of the massive spring flooding in Iowa continue to be seen. We're always stretched thin. One of the things that results from that is that people are not seen often enough. Systemic strains are even more challenging now. I don't know how to recruit therapists. It's an ongoing problem. Seeking help in disaster-stricken areas. Our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. The images seen of spring flooding in western Iowa were amazing and easily depicted a devastating situation. That's what we could see, but what about the residual impact of the flooding in areas that could not be seen? Iowa Watch reporter Kelly Page has our report. I knew some Iowans report having problems accessing mental health care. I also thought about the effects flooding this year, especially along the Missouri and Mississippi rivers, could have on farmers, not just economically but mentally as well. I wondered, does Iowa have mental health care resources in these flooded regions to address the needs of farmers? A population researcher suggests is already at risk when mental health conditions emerge, especially when you consider a stigma attached to seeking help that is strong among farmers. More than a dozen mental health care experts I spoke with over two months told me they were concerned that there are not enough mental health care professionals in Iowa to treat farmers. Moreover, they said they expected an increasing need for care because of the floods. But there's another problem. Many mental health care professionals do not want to work in a rural area for reasons ranging from a lack of resources to a perceived lack of cultural opportunities. I, I, I don't know how to recruit therapists. That's Susan Ecker, director of Wabanzi Mental Health Clinic, which has locations in Fremont, Page, and Montgomery counties in southwestern Iowa. Those are some of the counties hit hardest by flooding earlier this year. I, I, it's, a, it's an ongoing problem recruiting therapists to our communities in the absence of, of disaster and crisis. But when you have natural disasters such as this flooding, it just makes it even more, you know, underscores it even more that we've got to come up with some way, some programs like what we once had that that entices and encourages therapists to consider coming to rural communities. And I think of the therapists that I employ, they were, they grew up here. This is home to them. But I think often when somebody grows up in an urban area, there's lots of opportunities there, and there's really no incentive for them to relocate here. The incentives Ecker mentioned are funding from the National Health Service Corps, which provides student loan forgiveness and grants as part of their program to bring health care to rural areas. Ecker said Wabanzi stopped receiving those benefits after her area's mental health care shortage area rating, determined by the U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration, showed improvement. 
Many areas of Iowa hit by flooding receive benefits from the National Health Service Corps, however. In all, 50 of the 59 Iowa counties designated as disaster areas because of flooding this year also have been designated by the Health Resources and Services Administration as having inadequate mental health care. It is important to note also that shortages exist throughout the state. 86 of Iowa's 99 total counties are designated mental health professional shortage areas. However, even in clinics that receive help from the National Health Services Corps, therapists told me it did not solve all of their problems. We're always stretched thin. So one of the things that results from that is that <clears throat> people are not seen often enough. That's Alicia Doherty. She is a clinical supervisor at Plains Area Mental Health Center, which covers a wide patch of Northwest Iowa. Aside from Service Corps funding, she said Plains Area Mental Health Center offers employment benefits, such as numerous health insurance policy options, and pay that is 7% higher than the state average. She said she still feels the clinics are constantly shorthanded. Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I really feel like our education doesn't prepare us for what it's really like to work in this field. And so, like, sometimes we get people in here who, after a few weeks, decide that they don't even want to work in this field after they've gotten, like, you know, two to three years of education and, you know, sixty to $100,000 worth of student loans. You know, because a school, a college's goal really is to matriculate, is to get people, you know, through their program. You know, they advertise those rates, but, you know, when people get out into the reality of working in community mental health with lots and lots of barriers, <clears throat> it's a completely different experience. So, like, <clears throat> a lot of models are set up, a lot of treatment models and, you know, like community models are set up for urban areas. I would say most of them, to be honest, are set up for urban areas. And then they we try to implement them in rural Iowa because they have such good outcomes. And then you're dealing with transportation. You're dealing with um, just lack of resources. You know, when I lived in the city, it was just a matter of figuring out what resource someone needed and plugging them in. Out here, they just don't exist. You know, so that's really difficult for a clinician who's only supposed to be treating someone's symptoms, and in the end, they ended up also being a case manager. The result for patients is high turnover rates, which can have negative effects on treatment. I have actually two clients on my caseload right now who saw their previous therapist. One of them saw her for nine years. The other one saw her for 13 years, who were honestly traumatized by having to start seeing me. So it was a major setback for their treatment. Pat Sheldon, whose family has been farming near the small town of Percival in the southwestern corner of Iowa for four generations, has been working continuously to maintain the 2,500 acres of farmland owned by him, his father, his brothers, and his son. Sheldon also is the president of the Benton-Washington Levy District, which has become a demanding position after multiple levees breached in the flood. He said he is not seeking mental health care and deals with the stress of floods by spending time with friends and pushing forward, but he sees how many other farmers might need help right now. So I've been really busy. So, I mean, it's, uh, you just keep going. Adrenaline kicks in, away you go. 
Despite the shortage of mental health care providers in these rural areas, especially for farmers, Mike Neg, the state's agriculture and land stewardship secretary, said he wants to understand these problems and help to the best of his ability. Here's Neg in an interview with me. If there's lacking capacity or if folks, if there aren't resources available, we want to make sure that there are. So I guess I'm always wanting to understand more about those things and then we'll help in any way that we can. I'm Kelly Page for the Iowa Watch Connection. And Iowa Watch reporter Kelly Page joins me now. The most fundamental question, Kelly, how did you come up with the idea for this series of extended reports? Well, I was kind of aware that there were a lot of people in Iowa who had trouble accessing mental health care within the state. And I was also thinking about just all all of the flooding that's been happening in the state just this year and wondering how that would affect farmers and their mental health needs, um, if this was a triggering situation for them. So I just really wanted to figure out like if there was if there were people who were concerned and kind of like where the issues lay within the ability of Iowans to access mental health care, specifically farmers in rural areas right now. As you did the reporting, what surprised you the most? Well, what surprised me is that a lot of these issues like just get echoed across the state. There's definitely a shortage. There's a shortage that people feel. Um, most of the mental health care providers I talked to, uh, well, all of them were aware of the shortage. I did talk to one who had found a way to kind of deal with it, or at least to expand services just by actively recruiting people to come work there. But it's it just everyone told me it's very hard to get mental health care providers to work in the state, in rural areas especially. And that's even made worse by the fact that there's undue stress, if you will, on the mental health providers who are there. So it becomes a situation where not only are they at risk, these professionals, of absorbing the stress from the people they consult, but it also could put quite a stress on them as well. Yes, exactly. I talked to one mental health care provider who was in an area that wasn't a flooded region. It was a mental health care professional shortage area. And she talked to me a lot about kind of the ethical dilemma she faces about like a lot of times people come to her. There's no easy place for her to refer them to. She can refer them usually to a nearby city. Um, the clinics in those nearby cities are often like extremely booked as well, but also a lot of people don't have time to make that drive. They don't have resources to make that drive. If they're farmers, they might not have time to make that drive, or uh, other professions too, but she mentioned farmers specifically. And yeah, I, I just, she doesn't know what to do with that because it's a decision that she has, she said she has to make this decision often of, does she try to take on more clients or give the best care she can to the clients she already has? And she's just one person. Like, how does she deal with an ethical dilemma like that? This is an extensive project that encompassed reporting from all areas of the state. 
how has this experience helped you be better able to conduct future in-depth reporting projects? In other words, what did you learn from just the nuts and bolts of putting all of this together? I mean, I learned a lot, and a lot of it was the nuts and bolts. It was being able to take writing that... um, like I kind of honed my writing skills up to this point in an academic context, and a lot of it was figuring out how to kind of transfer that to journalism. Um, but also, it just made me believe in myself. Like it, I, I see what I've done, and I'm proud of it. And like I'm ready to be a journalist now. And it, yeah, I'm so grateful for this experience on so many levels. What do you hope people who read the stories at iowawatch.org or hear the radio program, what do you want them to take away knowing or feeling about the topic? I guess just the fact that there's people who are expressing concern. And readers can do with that whatever they want. Um, I think that it's just important to know that this problem exists, and I tried my best to kind of tap into reasons that this problem exists, that people, especially in rural areas, have a lot of trouble accessing mental health care in Iowa. I I really just want to make that problem visible and the fact that there are reasons for that problem. Iowa Watch reporter Kelly Page, thanks. You can read a series of related reports Kelly prepared on this topic on our website, iowawatch.org. When we come back, we'll talk with a farmer and therapist who can relate to this situation at a variety of levels. That's next, when the Iowa Watch Connection continues. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Mike Rossman is a farmer, therapist, and something of a spokesperson for farmer behavioral health care in western Iowa. From Harlan, Iowa, he says that even without flood conditions, behavioral health care often is financially inaccessible for farmers who are tentative about their insurance fees being affected by a formal diagnosis of mental illness. He spoke with Iowa Watch reporter Kelly Page about the effects the 2019 floods have had on farmers. Agriculture in Iowa and in most of the rest of our country is going through uh, perhaps the greatest recession economically Mm -hmm. that we've had since the 1980s. We're in our fifth year of uh, expenses exceeding profits uh, overall. Uh, So uh, it's not surprising that there are many concerned people who are involved in agriculture and in allied industries. Uh, I mean, many of the Iowa's communities depend heavily on agriculture for their economic well-being. The Mm -hmm. old saying is that a dollar that a farmer spends turns over at a minimum three to six times uh, within the local community. So, yeah, um, 
agriculture and ag-related industries like ethanol production comprise the greatest source of Iowa's income. Uh, it's uh, fortunate that our state budget does also have other types of income that are taxed, uh, such as uh, manufacturing of uh, equipment like, uh, that is used like uh, office furniture, and we have uh, a large insurance industry and investment industry in our state. So uh, there are facets of our economy that are doing well, but not ag overall. That doesn't mean we're collapsing entirely. It just means that, you know, we're profits are scanty. And why do you think that it? We know that it is due to a number of factors. One is overproduction globally. And I say globally because that's an important factor in uh, farm trade these days. Uh, we can ship food so much cheaper than we could in times past. Uh, so there is overproduction globally of many uh, major commodities such as uh, corn, uh, dairy, uh, uh, wheat, and uh, other things, uh, even uh, pork in some situations. Now, it can be argued that, gee, there, almost a fifth of the world has insufficient food, so it's just a problem of distribution. Mm -hmm. Well, that is partly true. But the countries that need the food have inadequate transportation systems, storage facilities, uh, or their form of government is restricting the distribution of food to those who need it most as a uh, kind of a political action in some of these countries. So... Uh, it, it's a complex issue that is overproduction is a complex issue. In the long run, Iowa should fare fairly well in the production of food efficiently. We have a very efficient agricultural production system in the United States and especially uh, in the upper Midwest uh, where Iowa is. Uh, we can probably stand uh, the competition from other countries that don't have as good soil or uh, who don't have the transportation facilities that uh, we have, although some of those now are in peril too. And that mm -hmm. is a small factor. We can't ship grain down the Mississippi and Missouri River drainages currently because uh, the water's too high and they can't get through locks. So uh, there's all of these issues that contribute to the financial problem. And then I would have to say also our government policy currently is just has been turned topsy-turvy. We're 
not getting the kind of uh, support that is needed to recover from the floods. We are depending too much on the Trump supplemental payments for uh, crops, and people have such mixed feelings about them, and they don't they're not available to everyone like organic farmers and to many small farmers. So the smaller operators are struggling in many ways unless they are organic food producers. The markets for organic food are increasing, as you probably know. I was wondering, too, just like more specifically about how the current flooding is affecting farmer mental health in the state. We know that uh, approximately a million acres along the Missouri River uh, Basin on both sides of the Missouri River, starting up in uh, South Dakota, uh, the southeast part of South Dakota, all the way down to where it joins in with the Mississippi River. So we have uh, all of these persons who are looking for some way in which to survive. They may have crop insurance. Crop okay. insurance doesn't cover everything. Mike Rossman of Harlan, Iowa, a farmer and therapist, discussing the effects of the 2019 flooding on farmers with Iowa Watch reporter Kelly Page. And again, you can read the full series of reports Kelly has prepared on this subject on our website, iowawatch.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at Iowa Watch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of News Talk 1540 KXCL, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.